0: because that's my daughter. And uh, so Jordan did a great job. We're so glad uh, that she's able to do that. Um, if you're worshiping with us at the end of the celebration, uh, we're going to share communion. So if you're on the stream, if you can go ahead and get some bread or a cracker, or if you're at a campfire, uh, you know, a s'mores, whatever you need to do, uh, if you want to get that and something to drink, uh, that would be great. And for all of you that are here, if you haven't received uh, one of these and you'd like to take communion, just raise your hand real quick. One of our greeters uh, will get that to you. So if you need one, uh, just raise your hand and one of the greeters will get that uh, to you. Well, we're in the middle of a series uh, in which we're looking at the story of a prophet by the name of Haggai. And Haggai's story is in the Old Testament, uh, the first half of the Bible. Again, if you, some of you are still looking for communion, so just raise your hand. Uh, there's Pam right there. She'll, she'll get that for you. But Haggai uh, was a prophet, a person who spoke on behalf of God, and his story was in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. And uh, if You weren't here last week, what I'd like to do is to be able to kind of give you a little bit of a background story of what has happened leading up to this. Uh, First of all, the king who is considered the greatest king in the Old Testament is a guy by the name of David. And David had a son named Solomon. And Solomon uh, was considered the wisest man. And he was so wise that God used him to build a temple. And he built this magnificent temple. And people from all over the world came to worship God. And it was amazing. The structure and building was like something that had never, ever uh, been created before. But after Solomon died, what happened was the people's hearts turned away from God. They got distracted. Do any of you ever get distracted ever? Yeah. Uh, We all have a tendency to get distracted. And so they got distracted to worshiping other idols. And they started worshiping these different idols and not worshiping the one true God. And because God loves us so much, he gives us free will to do what we want to do. And he said, I'll allow the people to do what they want, but I'm going to allow some other things to happen in their lives so that they would turn back to me. So in 587 BC, there was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylonia who came and he crushed, he and his army crushed the southern kingdom of Judah, and he destroyed the temple. And when he destroyed the temple, it wasn't just the temple, but he also kind of stripped away the identity of the Jewish people. And they were completely devastated. They felt like they had no identity to themselves anymore. And then after the temple was destroyed for 50 years... Five zero, five decades. They are held in captivity away from everything that they knew that there was their country. They're no longer citizens in their own country. And they're taken away and they can't worship God the way that they want to worship Him. They can't come and do whatever they want. They are held in bondage for 50 years. And generations of people, that's all they knew. They didn't even know Jerusalem and the temple. All they knew was Babylonia and that world. And then after five decades, so five long years, they allowed 50,000 people to go back and to rebuild the city. Now, the first priority was to actually build the temple. To go after it. And so the people get there. And they begin the building process. And they build the foundation. They build the altar. And all is going well. And then they got some opposition. From a group of people called the Samaritans. And once they received that opposition. Guess what they did? They quit. They just totally quit. For 14 years for 14 years they never worked on the temple again they just gave up now they did work on something it just wasn't the temple they worked on their own homes and all of a sudden there is a sense of condos everywhere around but the temple is not being built And they worked on their own homes, but not on God's house. And so what happened was God raised up a prophet, this guy named Haggai. And he says, it's time to get back to work. The time is now to get back on task and for us to be able to rebuild the temple. And so it's with that background, we come into our story in Haggai chapter 1, verse 13. And it says this, then Haggai... The Lord's messenger gave this message of the Lord to the people. And what did he say? The next four words, what did he say? He said, I am with you. I am with you. you. All of you that are on the stream right now, just type it in. I am with you. Okay, here we go again. What did God say? He said, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. That's what God says, and we'll come back to this later on. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And then verse 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of God. So what does God do? God stirs up the spirit of the governor the high priest, and then all of the people. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, this is what I need you to know, that there are times in which God is going to stir up His Spirit in you. He's going to stir something up within you that's going to ask you to do something or to go after something. And it's in that moment that you have a choice of what you're going to choose To do, He gives you something to accomplish, something that he wants you to do. And many times when that first comes, we're like, I want to do this. I want to go after this. And God gave this to the people. And the people, as their spirit was stirred up, they're like, we need to rebuild the temple. In fact, the story goes on to say, They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. They said, hey, we can do this. We can go for this. We can get this thing done. Let's go for it. It's been 14 years, but let's go for it. And for a month, they are all in. They're doing everything. And then guess what happened? They quit again. They start They get some opposition, don't do anything for 14 years. They come back at it, let's go for it. They go into it for a month and then they quit a second time. They say, we're going to do this, we're going for it. And then they just kind of fizzle out as the time goes on. You see, what happened is one day they're at this religious festival and they look out and some of the people had actually been alive when the temple had been built and they look at what they've just created and they're thinking to themselves, this doesn't compare. This is all there is? We've worked for a month and all we got is like this little bit more of a foundation and an altar. This isn't progress. And when that happened, guess what to guess what happened to everyone that was there seeing the rebuild? They all get discouraged. The entire nation of Israel gets discouraged. Now, let's be honest. The truth is, is that this happens to us sometimes too, doesn't it? God asks us to do something, to go after it, and we're like, yes, I'm going to do it, yes, I'm going to do it, yes, I'm going to do it. And you start it, and you begin the process, and then you just kind of fizzle out. You quit almost before you even get started. Let me give you an example of this in my own life. Uh, there was a time in my 20s when Jennifer and I were dating in which I decided I was going to learn how to play the piano. And uh, I took lessons and I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. And in my mind, playing the piano was going to be very easy and very similar to like typing. Like I could type really, really fast on a, pian- on a uh, keyboard. And so I was like, you know, being able to play the keys will be very, very easy to do that as well. And in my mind, what I thought I would do is I would learn how to play the piano, because that can't be that hard. And then I would go ahead, and then I would write a song for Jen, a love song. And in the love song, she would be like putty in my hands. And then one day I would actually just go ahead, and I would write a song for our wedding. In my mind, I thought I was going to be like John Legend. Like, I was going to, you know, like I was going to be the man. I was going to be able to play it, and it was going to be like off the hook. And I would just learn how to do this. So I showed up for the very first day for uh, piano lessons. And i get there, and the first day wasn't bad at all. The teacher was nice, and she said, if you really want to get good, you need to practice two hours a day. And I said, no problem. So the next day came, I practiced for two hours, and I'm telling you, my fingers were ready to fall off. I didn't understand the music. It was extremely difficult. Everything was hard, and it was a challenge. And the next day came, and I didn't do two hours. I did more like an hour. And then the week went on, and by the end of the week, I wasn't doing anything. And after a couple of weeks, guess what happened? I quit. I just quit. And the truth is, is that Jennifer never got her John Legend song, but she got something better than John Legend. She got me. That was it. Folks, the truth is, is that all of us are like this to some degree. All of us are. We're like, we've got this. This is going to be easy. We're going to go after this thing. And that's what the people thought. They said, oh, we remember what the temple looks like. We're going to do it. We're going to build it. We're going to take over this. And then one month later, they flaked out. I don't know about you, but there might be something in your life that's the same. Maybe it's debt. And you're like, hey, we're going to go after this. We're going to do this. Summer's a good time. We'll start the summer. By the end of the summer, we'll have these credit cards taken care of. And you start going after it. And you start paying off some of the debt. And then all of a sudden, you're like, but it's Summer. And all these other people are doing these fun things. We should do something fun. So you go get another credit card and you put it out there and you just get into more debt. Maybe it's a diet. At the beginning of the summer, you're like, well, now it's not cold and everything's good and I can start walking. I'm going to eat right. Everything's going to be fine. And you're walking and you're doing good. And one day you walk into the store and there it is. Ah, double stuffed Oreos half price. And you think to yourself, I can't pass on this. I'm saving money if I do this right now. And you're like, in the words of NSYNC, bye, bye, bye. And all of a sudden, it's just gone. The diet is gone. How many of you would say that you've ever had that before in your life? Where all of a sudden, you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't kind of turn out the way that you want. And you just kind of give up. And when that happens, what transpires, folks, is discouragement. We get extremely discouraged. And so today, what I want to talk about for the rest of our time is for those of you that may battle discouragement. Maybe you're discouraged right now. Maybe some of you in the balcony here in the main floor or on stream, you're struggling right now with something that is discouraging. You're hurting. There's discouragement there. And what we need to know when discouragement happens, what is its cause, and then how can we overcome it? Now, I think there are a couple of different main causes to discouragement. Here's the first one. It's your fill-in, and it's this. It's comparisons. It's comparisons. Why do we get discouraged? Because we have a tendency to compare. In our story today, again, some of the people had been there when the temple was at its most magnificent. And when they looked at the temple compared to what they were building in that moment, they remembered and they're like, ah, can you believe this? We've worked a month and this is all that there is. And they start comparing Solomon's grand temple that took years to the temple that they had in the moment. And the problem was, they were comparing their start to the finished temple. They were comparing the start of rebuilding to what the temple used to be. Folks, when you and I get in trouble and when we get discouraged is when we start to compare our start with someone else's finish. When we compare our start to someone else's finish, that's when we tend to get discouraged. And this was exactly what was being transpired during this time. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I compare myself to somebody else, it can be incredibly discouraging. Just overwhelming discouragement. I see it with guys a lot of times. Guys will compare themselves to someone else, and they'll be like, you know what? They have a great job, they have an amazing car, and they have a fantastic house. And I hate my car, or I hate my job. I have a rust bucket of a car, and there is no way that I could ever live in this messed up rented place in this horrible part of town. And when we do that, when we compare ourselves, what we find is we get discouraged, We find this with moms. Moms sometimes don't necessarily compare themselves to another mom, but they'll compare their kids to other kids. And they'll look at some kids, and what they'll find is like, oh, look at those kids. They're always nicely dressed. And they like dress them the same, and they look so good and clean, and everything's fine. And I never hear those kids complain. And also, in the midst of all this, they just... Never, ever seem to be bad kids. In fact, they go to the library three times a week. That's how good of kids they are. Then I look at my kids and I think to myself, I don't even know if they got dressed today. Like, I don't even know if they have pants on. I mean, and they complain regularly and they're not going to the library. They're playing video games 12 hours a day. And all of a sudden, we get this sense of comparison with somebody else and we get discouraged. Then if you really want to just feel totally discouraged, compare yourself to someone else's Instagram or Facebook page. You look at another person and you're like, oh my gosh, they have the picture of their feet at the end of laying out and they have the ocean behind them. This is the second picture that I've seen. They're at another place and where am I at? I'm at work. She's drinking wine. Look at her. But look at her body. I've drank water only for the last two months. Look at my body. He's got another new truck, again, another new truck, and then look at my rust bucket. And we look online and we do that, and if you stay on it long enough, you'll get discouraged because you don't compare to someone else. And we compare these things, and suddenly we are incredibly, incredibly discouraged. And then you look in the mirror, and you're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And the thing that's wrong with you is you've fallen into the comparison trap. God doesn't love you any less. You're not either less of a person. You're still gifted and talented and amazing. You're just comparing yourself to someone else. And this is exactly what was happening in Haggai's day. In Haggai's day, the people were comparing what they had built in a month compared to the grand temple that Solomon had built. And it was way, way too much. And all of a sudden, they felt like a failure. They felt like a loser. They felt discouraged. So, what causes uh, discouragement? Comparison. The second thing is, and it's your next fill-in, is a lack of progress. When we see a lack of progress that's when we get discouraged. If you remember it again, God's people had gone after this for one month, building the temple, and then all of a sudden they're like, this is not going well. I mean, look at this, it's pathetic. Look at this, there's no progress being made whatsoever. Maybe for some of you, uh, in your world, it looks like this. That whole diet thing, you go out on a diet, and for Two months, all you eat is kale and almonds. And at the end of the two months, you get on the scale and you actually gain two pounds. And you think about that and you get discouraged. Maybe it's with your marriage. You're working at it, you're going after it, you're praying for your spouse, and they simply just ignore you. I'm giving my all I'm doing everything I can, and yet their negativity just comes more and more and more. I'm trying to be kind to them, but they're not engaged. And after a while, you get discouraged. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe you have adult kids, or middle school, or high school kids, and you're like, you're giving them good advice. You're trying to have them make some really good choices, and they choose to refuse to listen to you. And each time, it's like choice after choice, choice after choice, they mess up. And you're like, I can't do this. I'm slamming my head against the wall, and they just don't want to listen. Maybe it's spiritually. You're like, it's so hard for me to overcome this one sin. There's this one sin, and you would think for as long as I've been a Christian, I would actually be able to overcome this, but I can't. And I'm doing it, and I'm trying to go after it, but I keep falling back more and more. You're like, you know what? Yeah, I would have thought that by this time, after i would followed Jesus this long, that I would overcome it, but I guess I never will. I might as well just quit. And you get discouraged, and you become overwhelmed. Now, I want to be honest with you just for a moment, and in me sharing this, uh, I don't need you to, like, send me a card or come up to me afterwards and go, Hey, Chris, we love you. It's all going to be good. I don't need that, okay? And what I'm going to share right now, I'm not sharing to whine in any way whatsoever. But I need you to know that I live with a low level of discouragement much of my life. Sometimes it's really, really high, but most of the time, it's just kind of a low level of discouragement. And sometimes, what will happen is, I will start to begin my day, and then I... Think about something that I said or something that I did or the way I acted or the way I treated somebody. And when I think about that, I'm thinking to myself, how could someone who is a Christian act like that? How could someone who is a pastor act like that? And I'm telling you, sometimes it makes me sick of the way that I can act and the things I can think and the way that I can respond. Sometimes after a teaching, maybe this one today, I'll go home and it'll be the only thing that'll be on my mind. I should have said this. I shouldn't have said that. I should have been better prepared. I should have, uh, shouldn't have said this. I, I shouldn't have said that. There'll always be something that I'm thinking about. Sometimes I'll look at the people in the church and I'll think to myself, am I really helping them grow closer to Jesus? Are they getting stronger? Are they growing in their faith? Are they working through some things? Are they actually reading the Bible or praying? Are they moving? And sometimes when I don't see that, I think to myself, what am I doing wrong? And I get discouraged. Sometimes I'll think of my leadership. And I'll think that if I just led better, there would be more people in attendance or there would be more people that are on the stream or there would be more people growing that if I just did something more, that would be it. I know Jesus is the shepherd of the church, but God's called me to shepherd this church. And sometimes I get so discouraged by doing that. And there's other times when there are people that will come to me and we've let them down. They'll come to me and they'll say somebody said this to me or somebody said that or they hurt my feelings or someone didn't show up when they said they were going to and there are so many needs in our community and sometimes I don't realize that I can't meet them all and when I can't meet them and I fail someone, I grieve that, I get overwhelmed by that. I know again, I'm supposed to be the leader but sometimes there's discouragement that comes to me and I become overwhelmed by it. Now at this point, some of you might be asking either in the balcony, here on the main level, or those of you on the stream, why are you telling us this, Chris? And this is the reason why. I just thought we all could get depressed today, okay? (laughs) Not really, not really. The reason that I'm sharing this, folks, is because I'm sharing this not to whine or for someone to send me a card or an email. I'm sharing this with you because we all live there sometimes. Every single one of us live in this place. We all at some point get discouraged and it becomes overwhelming. And you know what? What? The truth is that if you don't think you ever live there, then you must be Jesus. Because we all do. They're doing this. They're doing that. Look at what they're doing, and I'm not. And I'm trying so hard, and I'm trying to progress, but I don't see what I want to see. So, to give us some hope today, what do you do When you find yourself discouraged, what do you do when you find yourself discouraged? Well, the people were there. They were building this temple, but compared to the old temple and the progress they were making, it was not close at all. And they were extremely, extremely discouraged. It's like this isn't as good as what Solomon built. It's just not good enough. So God shows them how loving he is. And this is amazing. You want to see this. And he shares this message with the governor, the high priest, and then he shares it with all the people. And this is what he tells them. He tells them the same thing. In chapter 2, verse 4, it says... But now be strong, Zerubbabel, the governor, declares the Lord. And then he tells the high priest, be strong, Joshua. Then he tells all the people, be strong. What did he tell them to do, folks? What did he say? He said, be strong. strong." And then he goes on and he says this, and he says, and work. Be strong and work. Let me say it again. He says, be strong and work. Be strong and work. Why? Why does God tell us to be strong and work? The next verse, it says this. He says, for I am with you, declares the Lord. There it comes back again. He says, you can be strong and you can do the work because I am with you. So. What do you do when you're discouraged? You do two things. You be strong and you do the work. You be strong and you do the work. You be strong and you do the work. Now, here's the problem. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life in which I'm just not strong. I may perceive to other people that I'm strong, that I have it all together, But the truth is, I'm not strong. In fact, most of my life, I'm very weak. And yet the New Testament tells us that when we are weak, God will make us strong. It's very ironic, but what the New Testament tells us is that if we'll take our weakness and we admit it and we say, God, I feel so weak right now. I just feel weak. I'm giving this to you. He says, in your weakness, I will make you strong. In fact, when you can't do anymore, when you're at the end of your rope, that is when you are a great candidate for God to work in your life. The address at the end of your rope Is God. When you're at the end of your rope, that's where God shows up. Be strong in the Lord and do the work. Be strong and do the work. He will give you the strength you need. A couple weeks ago, I was at a high level of discouragement. I had just come back from vacation. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. You come back from vacation and everything hits the fan. I mean, everything that could possibly go wrong did go wrong. And now you're having to put all the pieces back together. Sometimes it makes you think, well, maybe I shouldn't even go, you know, on vacation. No, no, don't do that. People. Jesus took naps. Jesus went on vacation. You should too. Okay. Some of you, that's the only thing you're going to get today. Jesus took naps. He went on vacation. That sounds good. That's what I'm going to do. Okay, but I, I came back and it was like, you know, there were family stuff and there was financial stuff and there was people stuff and there was church stuff and there's all this stuff that's going on. And one day I find myself on a Wednesday afternoon, totally discouraged. In fact, I was paralyzed with discouragement. Have you ever been there before? Where you're so discouraged, you can't quite hardly make it. And so, in the midst of all this, guess what I was writing? This teaching! This teaching on discouragement. And I'm thinking to myself, how can I write something about discouragement to other people when I myself am extremely discouraged? Discouraged. Why could I actually tell them, God? And so I'm just like, all right, I'm going to pull away. And I did. I left the office. I went off and just got quieted before God. I'm like, God, I need your help. I need your help. And he said, seek my strength, not your own. Seek my strength, not your own. And all of a sudden, I came back to work. I'm like, man, this is going good. Seek my strength, not my own. I start writing, and I get a couple pages into it. And then all of a sudden, I hit a writer's block. I'm like, oh, seek my strength, not your own, Chris. Well, I need more than what you're giving me right now, God. And so I pick up the phone call. I call my number one spiritual advisor, my wife. And I go, I don't think I can do it. I just don't think I can do it. And then she said this. She said some great words. She's such a wise woman. She said this. She said, work the plan one step at a time. Work the plan one step at a time. And I was like, I can do that. Be strong, do the work one step at a time. Be strong, do the work one step at a time. One stone at a time. That's how the people of Israel rebuilt the temple. It wasn't like this whole thing that just kind of was a whirlwind. It was one stone at a time, one stone at a time, one stone at a time, and it got built. And in the midst of all of this, you see the temple finally take place, and we'll talk about it next week. Now, I realize that in a crowd this size, and those of you on the stream, some of you might be saying, Chris, I've been doing one stone at a time, and it just doesn't seem to be making much of a difference. What do you do? Be strong, do the work, one stone at a time, one stone at a time, One stone at a time. But it's not easy, it's hard. What's easy is to quit, to give up. Don't continue doing what God's called you to do. But God says, be strong and show back up. Be strong, show back up. Be strong one stone at a time. So if you're in debt... You're like, I'm never going to get out of debt. It's never going to happen one stone at a time. What's one stone? It might be 10 extra dollars that you pay on your credit card. And you pay that extra 10. And week after week, month after month, year after year, all of a sudden, you see something change. You be strong and do the work. Well. In my marriage, you be strong and do the work. Keep praying for the person. Keep working on them. Keep encouraging them. You control your attitude, not theirs. I'm going to do this, and you see what will happen. Maybe for others of you today, it might be with your spiritual life. You're like, well, it's really a struggle right now. I just don't. Okay, tomorrow morning when you wake up, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray one stone at a time, one stone at a time, one stone at a time. You be strong and you reach out to that person. You have the person at work. They don't want anything to listen to me or hear me. No, no, you stay there, friend. You be strong. You do the work one stone at a time, one stone at a time. Be strong in the Lord and do the work and watch God move. Galatians 6, 9, as we wrap up, says this. Let us not become weary in what? What's it say? In doing good. Do not become weary in doing good. In other words, don't become weary in doing the work. Why? Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if what? If we what? Don't give up. If we do not give up. So don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Everyone on the stream, don't give up. Be strong. Do the work. One stone. At a time. Now, folks, why don't we give up? Why don't we give up? We don't give up because God tells us, I will be with you. He said it two times in our text today. I will be with you. So don't give up. I will be with you. I will be with you. When comparisons come, when a lack of progress is there, I'm choosing not to. To give up. Why don't you give up? Why don't you give up? Because this is the truth. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was in the temple. That's why people felt so discouraged. It's like, well, we can't experience God's presence because the temple isn't built. But in the New Testament, what we're told is that the temple is in you. You are God's temple. His presence is in you. You don't have to compare. You don't have to worry about a lack of progress because God is with you. His presence is in the temple in you because you are his holy temple. And so this is the way we're going to close today. Some of you may be feeling extremely discouraged today and you need a moment with God. And so what we're going to do is give you some time right now, just between you and God, to share your discouragement with him. Quietly to just say, this is what I'm discouraged about. This is what I'm overwhelmed about. This is what I'm struggling with. And then you're going to have an opportunity to confess to him those things that you're comparing. Maybe there's another person you constantly compare yourself to. It's a sister. It's a brother. It's a parent. It's a friend. And you find yourself and you get further away from God because you're comparing. Or maybe there's a lack of progress that's going on right now in your life and you need to quietly confess it. And so right now, we're going to give you a moment just between you and God, to confess anything that is distracting you. And then we're going to share in communion after that. So if you can get your communion ready, and then take a moment quietly to simply confess anything that you've used as a comparison or a progress, uh, a lack of progress, and then to be able to share that discouragement with God. So we're going to dim the lights, play a little music, and we'll give you an opportunity to do that now. Father, your word says that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive every sin. In those times where we've compared ourselves, when we've complained about a lack of progress, we give that to you today and we receive your forgiveness so we don't walk through life being overwhelmed with discouragement. If you've chosen Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, or today is the day that you want to do that, I'm going to invite you to share in our communion. And if you would, I'd like you to, there's a little clear strip at the top that if you can just tear that off, there's a piece of bread underneath that. And I'd like you to pull out that piece of bread. And for those of you that are on the stream, if you can get your bread right now, whatever that is, And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And we take that right now. And if you would, on the top of the other part, the gold part, if you just pull that back, you can get to the juice there. And for those of you who are on the stream, if you're ready to get your drink. In the same way, Jesus took a cup on the night that he was betrayed and said, This is my blood, which is shed for you. Drink in remembrance of me. And we do that now. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. And when you hit your greatest moment of discouragement, you did not hold back. You chose to continue through, to not give up, And to go to a cross and die for us so that all of our sins would be forgiven. And Jesus, we thank you so much for that example of persevering through discouragement, knowing that your Father was with you every step of the way. God, we thank you so much for loving us, even when we're overcome by discouragement even when we question, even when we doubt, that you say, I love you and I'll never leave you. Thank you for reminding us, God, that discouragement is not our final destination, that you are always with us, that if we'll be strong, if we'll do the work, if we'll take one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time, that we can overcome discouragement. And so today, God, we fully receive your forgiveness for all of our sins. Thank you for making us new. Jesus, we trust you. We follow you. We lay our discouragement at your feet. And we pray right now, God, that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit, and you would remind us that as we do the work, As we stay strong with you, we can overcome anything. God, help people right now. Let them know, God, that you are with them. You are for them. You will never, ever, ever leave them. And whatever discouragement that they have, that you will walk with them through this time. Help them to be strong in you, to do the work, and to take one step, one stone at a time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.